Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Matthew 12, 1 through 32. Have you ever wondered if you have committed the unpardonable sin? Have you ever wondered if you've done something that is beyond forgiveness, even beyond the forgiveness of God? These are questions that come up sometimes, and we'll get into that as we look at Matthew 12, verses 1 through 32 today. Uh, And we'll see that towards the end of the section. But we want to start with a discussion of the Sabbath. And now the Sabbath uh, is a day of rest. And the Sabbath in Jewish culture, and even today, if you go to Israel, right, the Sabbath, or as they say it, Shabbat, is still observed uh, on Saturday, really from sundown. Friday evening to sundown Saturday evening, that is Shabbat. That is Sabbath. That is meant to be a day of rest. And uh, you'll remember it's right there in the Ten Commandments. Commandment number four, you need to keep the Sabbath uh, day holy. And even going to creation in the pattern of Jesus or God, when he created the world, he worked for six days and he rested. Now that's going to come up in these first two parts of the chapter. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Now let's just hit the pause button right there and think about what they're saying, that they are doing something that is not lawful. And I kind of summarized things earlier, but let's read the fourth commandment in Exodus 20. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So that is what uh, the fourth commandment says. And what I would like to point out is there's nothing clearly there uh, that makes it, well, plucking heads of grain to eat them was a sin. Uh, Because guess what? There's nothing in the Old Testament that says don't eat on the Sabbath. And I guess depending on how you define work, uh, there's going to be some sense of work uh, to, to eat on the Sabbath. So I don't think that what the Pharisees are saying here is actually true. And Jesus goes on to say, have you not read when David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath 
on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless. So there he's speaking of David when he was on the run, eating the the bread of the presence, which is normally meant to be for the priests. Or then, well, the priests, they, I guess you could say, work on the Sabbath because there's still priestly duties that have to be done on the Sabbath. Uh, So what's going on there? Well, I think a couple things. Let's let me just be clear about one thing I don't Jesus I don't think that Jesus means. I don't think Jesus is saying, "Hey guys, rules were made to be broken and it's okay to break the rules every once in a while." No, Jesus says some pretty strong statements. Uh, remember Matthew 5, don't relax the commandments of God. So I don't think he's saying is eh, God doesn't really mean the rules that he says, and it's okay to, to break them once in a while, as long as you have a good enough reason. I think what Jesus is saying is, hey, you have taken the rules and you have made them mean more and prohibit more than they ever should have. Yes, the, the bread of the presence is supposed to go to the priests, but that doesn't mean it is sinful to give it to somebody in need. It, yes, we're supposed to rest on the Sabbath, but, but well, the, the priests, they, they need to do the work that God has called them to do. He's not saying, hey, the rules aren't a big deal. He is saying that hey, you have taken the rules and you've pushed them to a level that they were never meant to go. In fact, you've pushed them so far that you have missed the point uh, because he goes on to say, I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And now this is again, a, a second time that Jesus has had to use that exact phrase against these people. You would not have condemned the guiltless. And so there again, Jesus saying, Hey, these guys are guiltless because they are not actually breaking God's law. Uh, And in other places, we see Jesus kind of says, they're breaking your tradition. And then he says, for the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. So I think he's saying, you're missing the point. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Sometimes you're missing the point behind God's law, even into the heart and the motives that God wants us to have. But you're also missing the point of who the law is pointing to. And it's pointing to me. I'm in charge of the Sabbath. I'm the one who makes the rules about the Sabbath, Jesus is saying. Uh, And you're missing that point entirely. And Jesus goes on then uh, to show them, you know, they want to get upset at him for healing someone on the Sabbath. That was never meant to be prohibited by the fourth commandment. That commandment was never meant to prohibit someone from healing or doing good on the Sabbath. And Jesus is pointing out to that to them and they don't like it, right? And they conspire against him as to how to destroy him. So there's a lot of unique things to the culture then that we're seeing. But again, I think one other always principle we see here in Matthew 12 is that rules can be stretched and applied beyond what they were intended for so much so that they, that people miss the point. And that is something that can still happen today. We can take rules and and stretch them to places that God never intended them to go so much so that we might miss the point of what is intended there. And so that's something to just watch out for, that we don't become pharisaical, just making it all about even an emphasis on the 
externals. And you, you sense that, and I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Well, God cares about our hearts. And that doesn't mean, uh, who cares about the rules then? But it does mean, hey, even the rules, they're meant to focus on our hearts. Because you can get all the externals right oftentimes and miss out on the heart. So make sure that you don't miss the point of many of these things in God's word. Then we get to a section here where it says that Jesus, in verse 15, aware of this, withdrew from there. And many followed him and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. Now that seems like an interesting strategy, that Jesus withdrawing and trying to avoid attention. And it even goes on to say, this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory and in his name the Gentiles will hope. I think the reason why that quote is there, again, Matthew loves Old Testament quotations because his main point is Jesus is the Messiah that we have been waiting for. And let me show you how the Old Testament points to him. Well, here he is pointing at somewhat to the gentleness of Jesus's ministry, that Jesus is not right now coming as the conquering king, but as someone, a bruised reed, he will not break and a smoldering wick, he will not quench. This is a good follow-up to what we read in the last reading about Jesus being gentle and lowly in heart. He's not here to conquer as a king right now, uh, Matthew is showing them he, he came uh, to be gentle, uh, to be the Savior. And, and then we get to uh, this next section where a demon-oppressed man is brought to him who is blind and mute, and Jesus heals him. And the Pharisees say basically that he is casting out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons. And then we get into an interesting section where Jesus basically says, uh, no, because if demons are divided against demons, they're not going to stand. What has happened is uh, I have come uh, by the spirit of God and then the, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Hey, the king is here. And it talks about how to plunder someone's house, you have to come in and bind the strong man. All right, Jesus saying, hey, I am here and I am casting out demons because I have power. I have authority over Satan. I have come to exercise that dominion, to win that battle. But then he gets to this interesting statement at the end in verse 31. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. Hmm. That's interesting because forgiveness is so stressed in the Bible. To hear Jesus saying something won't be forgiven, that, that makes your ears perk up. And I've had conversations with more than one person wondering, well, wait, have I committed that unforgivable sin? But, so let's think through a couple things here. Uh, one, what is Jesus talking about? And based on the context, here, here's what I think. This blasphemy of the Spirit is really a sin that is being committed where they see the clear power of the Spirit working through Jesus in the casting out of demons. It is obvious. There is no possible alternative explanation for what Jesus is doing other than the power of the Spirit. So to take 
that clear, unavoidable, unmistakable reality that the Spirit of God is at work, and to say that it is Satan, that is a a big sin. And and even you could make an argument, I'm not sure that this is correct, um, that this is even something unique to the time of Christ. And then people have made that argument that this was unique even to the ministry of Jesus. Um, but I, I think that's the general idea is, hey, here's something the Spirit is clearly doing, and I am going to ascribe it to demons and the devil. And, and even, well, what's the difference when he says blasphemy against the Son of Man is forgivable, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is is not forgivable. What's up there? Well, um, people can reject the gospel. People reject the gospel all the time. But if they turn from that, uh, they, they can be forgiven. Maybe the idea there of blasphemy against the, the Son of Man. But sometimes people, it's not just that they're rejecting the gospel because they don't get it or they don't agree with it, but no, they know. They know it is the truth, yet they turn their back on it anyways. And that's where I think this would fit even with some of the warnings of Hebrews, talking about those that have tasted or those who have once been enlightened, those who who know what's going on and they turn. You know, even Hebrews talks about it is impossible to restore them again to repentance. And so that's where I think there is a warning here that we need to be wary of. But one thing, right, we need to heed those warnings of Hebrews or or this, and I don't think we should take the teeth out of those warnings. But I do think when we look at the whole of scripture, we do see um, if someone genuinely comes to God in repentance, they will be forgiven. So I think there's a couple ways to look at this. One way to look at those who commit this sin would be, well, from a, I guess a, a divine perspective is they won't be forgiven. Those who commit blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, they won't be forgiven. That's where, especially if you plug in that idea, even from Hebrews, it's impossible to restore them to repentance. If you look at it from a human perspective, I would argue these people committing blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, they will not repent. Uh, so yes, they're not going to be forgiven, but they're not going to repent because they they know the truth and they are turning from it and even ascribing it to the devil. They're not coming back from that. And that's where I guess you could say from a divine perspective, there's no forgiveness for them. From a human perspective, they are not going to repent. And that's where we need to be careful sometimes because we can't see people's hearts. We can't quite know all of this. But maybe if you've ever wondered, have I committed uh, the unpardonable sin? Well, if there is true repentance in your heart and you are seeking Christ, then no, I don't think you have committed the unpardonable sin. Because if you had, I don't think you would repent. So, Hopefully that helps clear some things up there. And hopefully we also learn some lessons from Jesus as he deals with the Pharisees and then they take rules to places they were never meant to go. Hopefully we can learn some things from this as we seek to follow Jesus today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.